the Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. WebmasterRadio.fm presents First Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Ritan, president at Lola Red, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now, please welcome our host of First Strings, Maria Ritan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. That's 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending. The woman. Well, first up, I was reading an article by J. Max Robin. He's with the Center of Communications, and this was a blog post on Media Post Content Marketing Insider, and his headline caught my eye. So maybe you know the answer to this. I didn't before I read his article. What's the largest circulation print monthly in the United States? Well... I bet you didn't think it was Costco, did you? I certainly didn't. Costco Connection is the largest circulation print monthly in the U.S. It has 8.6 million subscribers. Now, that's not only in the U.S. That's that's in the U.S. But then think about Canada, United Kingdom, Taiwan, uh, Taiwan, Korea. Um, they've also just recently added an addition for Australia and Japan. So imagine the reach of Costco. Now, we already knew Costco had a big imprint. If you've ever been in a Costco, you certainly know that to be true. But who would have thought that its magazine would actually have that reach? Well, um, if you've ever opened the magazine, according to J-Max, because I never have, it's a service-related article mix with everything from home improvement to celebrity features. Of course, there's a lot of advertising in there and, and coupons for Costco merchandise. And, of course, um, other retail suppliers in there as well, sold at Costco only, of course. Now, 90% of the magazine's ad is co-op, but more and more national advertisers are getting in there buying space because who wouldn't at 8.6 million subscribers each month? Apparently, there's also steady growth of subscribers with the Pub's free app as well. So, many of you out there place a lot of media for your clients, maybe even for your own company. Uh, might want to take a look at Costco. Certainly does reach a lot of those alpha moms, which happens to be our purse spring purse 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 profile today say that five times fast the alpha mom is the gen y target so uh another take on those millennials uh she is about 39 years old well no she wouldn't be a gen y target if she's 39 years old that'd be uh, a gen x target uh 1.6 million of these women out there college grads married employed full-time making about $121,000 a year, keeping up with fashion, influential trendsetters, uh, really the first among their friends to do a lot of things, including trying new styles, uh, shopping at new stores, uh, really see themselves as confident uh, and as individuals as well, ambitious and motivated. Uh, They like to try things that are new, so sometimes they'll just experiment with new styles or new clothes or new stores. Uh, but they do value quality, uh, whether it's quality clothing or goods for their homes, and they'll pay for it. So where are they shopping? Neiman Marcus is one of them. Ikea on the opposite end there of the spectrum from Neiman Marcus. Williams-Sonoma. Uh, Bloomingdale's and Nordstrom are all big. They're driving Volvo, BMW, 
and Ford. Um, and they're uh, reading magazines like Wired and First for Women and uh, W, Better Homes and Gardens and Time. So quite an eclectic mix of magazines in there for this particular woman. She's on uh, TV watching uh, CNN. Discovery Channel and HGTV style um, and Bravo. So a mix there as well. You can see both the entertainment side and the news side. And uh, she's online uh, kind of similarly, uh, both getting some entertainment and shopping on Amazon. Uh, Barnes & Noble happens to pop for her as well as eBay. So kind of interesting for our alpha mom. Well, my guest today... um, Gosh, what hasn't she done? Uh, investigative journalist uh, Nina Teicholz, uh is the author of Big Fat Surprise, which is why she's on the show today. But she's done a myriad of other things. She's uh, written about food and nutrition science for uh, publications like Gourmet and Men's Health magazines. She's a reporter at National uh, Public Radio for years. She's covered uh, D.C. and Latin America. Uh, she's written a variety of pieces for The New Yorker, The Economist, New York Times, and Salon, many, many other publications. She's also uh, worked at Columbia University, and she studied biology at Yale and Stanford, which I think is very interesting considering she is an investigative journalist, but I think it set her up very, very well to do uh, the book that she did. Uh, this book, you, you may have even read it yourself, um, is really quite startling. I think it kind of puts us all on our ear uh, when it comes to the way we think about our food. So, Many of us, especially we women, have been trained to think about low fat and and carbs and all of those things. Well, she's saying, guess what? Uh, we may have it wrong. Researchers may have it wrong. Scientists may have it wrong. The media may have it wrong. And in this book, uh, she documents the past 60 years of low-fat nutrition advice. Uh, and uh, it's, it's quite an interesting um, approach. And I cannot wait to get her on the show to talk about it. So stick around. We're going to be talking to Nina Teicholz in just a moment when Purse Strings returns after the break. Her strengths will be right back after a word from our advertisers. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. 
When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services, ppcprofessionals.com. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Women. Once again, here's Maria Retan. Welcome back. My guest today is Nina Teichel. She's an investigative journalist and the author of the book called The Big Fat Surprise. And uh, Nina, I'm excited to have you on the show. I have to tell you, I was surprised by The Big Fat Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's surprising to everybody, including to me when I was working on it. Yeah, no joke. I mean, I, I in the intro, I talked about your background in biology. You know, you studied that at Yale and Stanford, got a master's degree from Oxford. You ended up being a journalist, a great writer. Uh, what led you to tackle the big fat surprise of all topics? Is it Was it your background in biology? No, I mean, the, my, the book is really an investigation into um, how nutrition policy of the last 50, 60 years has gone wrong, especially on the subject of fat, you know, the macronutrient that our nutrition policy has obsessed about most, you know, good fat, bad fat, what kind of fat, how much fat. And I got into it because I had been assigned by my editor at Gourmet Magazine at the time to write a story on trans fats. Um, And that led to a book contract on trans fats. But when I started looking into the whole issue of fats in general, I realized there was just a much bigger story here about how our authorities seem to have gotten it wrong about fat in general. Yeah, and you, gosh, you've devoted a long time to this book. I think I read you spent (laughs) nine years on the book. Talk about your approach to research, because clearly it's (laughs) well-researched. Well, you know, I mean, nutrition science, I mean, we live in a time where now we're just overwhelmed by the number of studies that exist out there, the amount of data. And um, and so, you know, when I started this, I had no idea it would take me so long. And I was had been a vegetarian for two decades. So I least of all expected to find what I found. But um, in doing my research, I really did take a deep dive into nutrition science. I interviewed hundreds of researchers. I, you know, Looked, I read thousands of, of studies, and I really sought to go back to the original studies themselves that had been used to underpin all of our dietary advice originally, back to the 50s, 60s, 70s. And I did not want to rely on the summary studies, which is what we typically do, because mm-hmm. you know, once a consensus de- develops around an idea, then you lose a lot of the um, the subtleties, the caveats, the concerns that scientists had. They, you know, they eventually were just sort of flattened out, ironed out over time. But if you go back and look at all those original studies, you realize how 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 much concern there existed about kind of leaping into this low-fat, anti-saturated fat dietary policy, and 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 how shaky the science was. That's what that was the really surprising thing about my research: how how weak the science had been to underpin this dietary. Uh, policy that we've been living with for so many years. So, you know, you talk about the weak science. I totally get where people would just come with the, the summaries and kind of buy into the summaries, not take the time to go back and look at the data. You went back to look at the data. You realized it was shaky. Has there been subsequent research then that, that kind of firms up any kind of science, whether it's science that 
you know, exacerbates what seems like it could be a fallacy or is supporting uh, kind of the fat facts, if you will. I mean, it, it has this sparked maybe a deeper dive into doing less shaky science at least? Yeah. I mean, so that's a big question, but um, you know, we are seeing a, an effort to reevaluate some of that original science, right? So the, 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 the fact that the dietary guideline uh, panel last week or the week before lifted its caps on dietary cholesterol, right? So, you know, we've been avoiding eating eggs, shrimp, liver, all that because of dietary cholesterol. We've been told since 1960s to avoid dietary cholesterol. But now scientists have gone back, realized that science was never firm, and therefore lifted the caps on dietary cholesterol. It's, um, and the same has actually happened with saturated fats. Scientists, researchers at top institutions, including Cambridge, Harvard, University of Berkeley, have done meta-analyses looking at all the science that's been used to support the, the limits on saturated fat and have found the same thing. It didn't show what we thought it showed. And so, you know, we ought to reverse out of that advice as well, but we're slower to do that. Um, you know, and I, I think that there needs to be a pretty serious um, you know, evaluation of our use of what's called epidemiological data, the kind of data that shows associations but not causation. I mean, that's the kind of data that got us down this wrong advice to begin with, and we still rely, our authorities still rely um, heavily on that kind of, uh, that, those kinds of studies. But it really has not steered us right um, in the last 50, 60 years. And, and so I think you know, you're beginning to see a kind of um, a reevaluation of, of depending upon that kind of that, yeah. those kinds of studies. That's good. I mean, at the very least, you're shedding light on maybe we need to go back and reevaluate these things. But at the end of the day, I mean, what you're saying is fat is our friend, right? And maybe not all fats, but there are certain types of fat. That's okay, right? I mean, that's, that's yeah, I mean, what a you're couple head, Yeah, I mean, a couple of headlines here. One is that the fat you eat is not the fat you get, right? What I call the tragic homonym, that we all believe the fat and the bacon is going to become the fat on our hips. That just turns out not to be true. A diet that is high in carbohydrates and low in fat, which is what we've been told is a healthy diet, that diet turns out to be much less effective at controlling obesity, diabetes, heart disease than a diet that is higher in fat and lower in carbohydrates. So, you know, the way we used to eat before the epidemics of obesity and diabetes was a diet that was significantly higher in fat and lower in carbohydrates than what we're eating now. Um, by cutting back fat, we shifted over to carbohydrates, and that turned out to be fattening for us and also eventually to provoke diabetes. Um, the other headline is that, you know, what we think of as good fat and bad fats is actually kind of uh, upside down or reversed. So the saturated fats in butter, meat, cheese, dairy, eggs are, turn out to be not bad for health. You know, those, the foods, those foods, we've been avoiding them based on their saturated fat content. Those big meta-analyses I spoke about is a reevaluation of all that data saying actually saturated fats cannot be said to cause heart disease, therefore there should be no prohibition on eating those foods. Meat, butter, dairy, eggs, cheese are fine for health, and there really isn't any evidence to show that they should be avoided. Whereas hmm. the unsaturated fats, vegetable oils, turn out to have a lot of health problems associated with them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. a reversal of good and bad fats, and I know it seems impossible to believe, as it did to me when I started out on this research, but you know, if you really go through all the studies and look at all the findings, this is, you know, this is the result of that research. 
Uh, oh, and I feel so much better about myself. I have to be honest, Nina, because I love my bread and my cheese. I, I, I mean, especially my <laughs> cheese. Now, the bread, maybe that's carbohydrates, right? So maybe maybe not so much. But I love my cheese and I love my real butter. I, I could avoid the steak, but I, it makes me feel, feel a little bit better. But there are, there are some things, though, that we should not be eating. Carbohydrates, high carbs. You talked about that being one of them. There are other, there are other things that we shouldn't be eating. And, there, and these are the things that I think we all probably know we shouldn't be eating, right? Except for the, the vegetable uh, fats that you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, carbohydrates, what happens is eating too many carbohydrates overall and, and possibly also especially refined carbs like sugar, high fructose corn syrup, refined flour, they provoke an insulin response. As insulin is a hormone in your body. It's like the king of all hormones for socking away fat. So avoiding carbohydrates is a, or, you know, to some degree, not, you don't have to be dramatic about it. I mean, people who have, people who are obese and diabetic and, and are fighting heart disease, that is a sign of carbohydrate intolerance. So those people might have to be uh, cut back on carbs more dramatically. But, you know, most healthy, lean people, um, you know, as long as they eat a diet that is balanced in carbohydrates and good fats, that's a healthy diet. Um, and, you know, the other thing to be avoiding, as I said, is vegetable oils. Um, you know, we have the increase in soybean oil in the United States is the biggest ever increase of any foodstuff over the 20th century. It's increased by more than a thousand times. You know, before 1900, Americans just cooked with butter and lard. That was it. American vegetable oils only entered the food supply really in the early 1900s, first as Crisco and then as bottled oil. And, you know, their, they, their health effects, I think, are, have not been explored adequately. And there are a number of worrisome signs about the studies that have been done on them. Mm-hmm. So that's what different is- than what you will mostly be told by your nutritionist and your doctor. But, um, but it's worth it to hear these alternative viewpoints because, you know, one of the things that's just really strikingly clear is that Americans have largely been following the dietary guidelines over the last 35 yeah. years. You know, the food pyramid. We've cut back on saturated fat by 11% since the 19, early 1970s. We've increased carbohydrates by about 25%. And we are, you know, Americans, we've also increased fruits and vegetables. The vegetables are up by 23%. Fruits are up by 13%. But that clearly has not served us very well, you know, for whatever reason. Um, and so there's reason to have doubt about our expert advice, right? I mean, if they got it wrong about dietary cholesterol, now they're saying they're backing off the low-fat diet too. I mean, it makes you wonder. Mm-hmm. It, it, it should make people wonder about that expert advice. Yeah, I'm definitely wondering. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk about the bland, uh, plant-based foods because you said you were vegetarian for 20 years. You know, there's been this discussion around lean, lean meats for sure, but then just going completely vegetarian or vegan. I want to talk about the impact on our bodies when we do that. So more from Nina Teicholz when we return in just a moment. Purse Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. 
Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Ritan. I've been speaking today with Nina Teichel. She's an investigative journalist and author of The Big Fat Surprise, which took nine years for her to write. She went back to the original science to take a look at the the various fats, and uh, it's kind of turned everything on its head when it comes to our perception of good fat versus bad, bad fat. And right before the break, we were talking about soybean oil and the predominance of that and the vegetable fats and how... That really is kind of the bad guys when it comes to fat. Maybe the fat like steak, cheese, butter, and those other things are actually good fats. Uh, But, you know, I'm curious about plants because, Nina, I think we've all had beaten into our heads that more fruits, more vegetables, as you said at at the break, uh, we've been eating more and more of those as Americans, and yet we're still struggling. So what is it about plant-based foods that doesn't make it necessarily a whole food enough maybe to sustain us. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, fruits and vegetables are great foods, but I don't think that there's evidence to show that a vegan or vegetarian diet is um, the best diet for sustaining human health. I mean, for one thing, we just have no clinical trials on them. So we've never studied them. When when people talk about, you know, we you should become a vegetarian, that's based on really no clinical trial data. Um, And that's worrisome to me. Um, It's all based on that epidemiological data I was telling you about earlier, which has led us astray in the past. And the the experiments that have been done, there were some animal experiments done in in the 1920s and 30s. You know, back then, the question of nutrition science was the basic question of any human, uh, sorry, of any animal, which is, you know, how can you best, what's the best diet for, for reproduction, and growth and reproduction, which is children and pregnant women. And when they did these experiments on omnivore animals, um, rats and pigs, they found that while it was possible to sustain life on, uh, on a vegetarian diet, it was incredibly difficult to get exactly the right balance of nuts and seeds and beans and legumes. And whereas it was, and, and those vegetarian the, the animals on vegetarian diets grew to be half as large and lived half as um, long. Um, 
And whereas it was the foods that reliably could reverse growth faltering and sustain life much more easily were um, meat, liver, uh, milk, butter. Those it was those were much those foods just made the made it easier to sustain life of the omnivore animal and to make them healthy. So that's some evidence to show that a plant-based diet would not be sufficient. And, you know, plants, they lack um, full, complete amino acids, which are, the you know, complete proteins. Animal foods have those proteins. Plant foods don't contain vitamin B12. I mean, there's just a number of indicators. You know, animal foods are much, much more nutritionally dense than all the, nutri- the nutrients that we need, folate, selenium, iron, zinc. They're actually far more available in red meat than in white meat. So, um so that's what, so there's some reasons to be concerned about a plant-based diet, um, despite, I think, a growing movement towards that, that kind of mm-hmm. diet, which is mainly now sort of more on environmental grounds than really on health grounds. But it's important to separate out those questions, right? What is healthy? Right. What is good for the environment? I mean, they're just different scientific questions. Yeah, well, they're two different goals, ultimately. But yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think, too, you know, there could be questions about, well, is it more than food, right, that's making us fat? Could it be, um, you know, the fact that we're not exercising enough as a population or that we're eating out more, which, you know, there tends to be different kinds of fats in your food when you're eating out. Are are those underlying issues or are you able to separate those factors out and just look purely at the makeup of the food itself? Yes. Yeah, so that is an excellent question there. And, and, and the point is like, there are a number of ideas about what might be making Americans obese and diabetic, right? So one of them is, are, you know, is it because we eat out more? That's a, a theory floating around. That may be true, but there's no evidence for it. We just don't have clinical trials, and it obviously depends on what you eat when you go out to eat. You know, are you going to a steakhouse or are you going to a pasta house? Those have, you know, vastly different effects on your um, your metabolism and your and your bio- your whole biology. So there's just that's an interesting idea, but there's no evidence to support it. Another theory is that it's exercise. We're all too lazy now. We don't exercise enough. The, um, I think there's a, a limited amount of data on that because if you look at the experiments on you know, aerobic exercise, which is the kind of exercise we've been told to do to, for weight loss, um, it turns out that aerobic exercise does not help people control their weight. I mean, the most depressing example of that is an experiment on marathon. People trained to run a marathon over a course of a year, losing zero uh, no more weight than people who did not do anything um, in a control group. So, and that kind of finding has been repeated over and over. I mean, it, it, I think it turns out the science is increasingly showing that um, maybe weightlifting, different kind of exercise is better at helping people control or uh, lose weight. But the point is, maybe it is an exercise. I mean, whose grandmother went to a gym? There were no gyms. So, um, so a third explanation is, it's sugar and refined carbohydrates. I think there's some evidence for that. And I think there's a huge body of clinical trial research now, altogether dozens of clinical trials on thousands of people showing that um, if you restrict carbohydrates, a high-fat, low-carb diet, you can reverse obesity, diabetes, and, and, and control heart disease risk factors. So that's an actual body of clinical trial evidence, the best, most rigorous kind of evidence you can have, showing that supporting the idea that it's 
the fact that Americans started eating, overeating on carbs, especially refined carbs. So um, I guess I'm saying there are a number of theories out there. One theory has a lot of evidence behind it. Right. Um, the others are hypothetical <laughs> or, or not supported by the evidence. Yeah, and if nothing else, Nina, I have to tell you, I would have thought we would have more evidence. I think that's probably what's most stunning to me is here we are in 2015, and we're all acting as if this is uh, something that's set in stone when truly there's not enough evidence out there to give us the information that we truly need to be able to make the right choices. I think that's what's most startling, and it seems like we've all, uh, including doctors and marketers and food companies have all been working against uh, pretty, pretty thin science, if you will. So I guess at the end of the day, if I'm a consumer, I'm listening to this interview, I haven't read your book, I'm now scared to death about whatever I'm going to eat. Like, where do we get the real facts? It doesn't sound like we can turn to our doctor or we certainly, we've never been, I don't, I mean, I'm in this business, but I'm going to say we've never been able to trust the marketers, right? I mean, there's a lot right. of a lot of uh, shifty stuff in, in some of those messages. Uh, where where do we get where do we get the information that we need to make the right choices? You know, it's a really difficult issue now because I mean, what has really happened is that you know we adopted a certain hypothesis, uh, you know, the low fat, anti saturated fat diet in but in 1961 was when it began with the American Heart Association advice. And, and a universe of experts signed on to this, right? And, and that's one of the reasons it's endured for so long. It became institutionalized and it became a kind of uh, dogma. And then it became very hard to reverse out of. And now you have basically a, a, a universe of authorities who recommend this. So where do you find alternative advice and how do you know to rely upon it? Well, I can say that my book has, you know, thousands and thousands of footnotes, and and so it has been extremely well researched, and that's one resource. I, the other thing, um, there is actually, you know, a growing movement of people, doctors, nutritionists, um, who are now, um, who, you know, what I would call an, an alternative nutrition movement in this area, and you know, the way you find them is to search for low carb, high fat, LCHF, um, and on. Facebook and the the paleo world is is um, not necessarily low carb, but also trying to get people back to eating real foods uh, and and having a balance of foods. I mean, there there are a number of resources now, but um, yeah, it's it's I I sympathize. It's very hard to navigate this world, and and um, you know, then the reality is that the advice that's wrong really comes from the very top, you know, our USDA dietary guidelines. I mean, and that informs all nutrition education, most medical education. Um, And, you know, so really it's, it's wrong from the source and, and that makes it very hard for consumers. Yeah, extremely hard. You have to be truly discerning and uh, do do almost your own research, frankly. Uh, but I do encourage everyone to check out the book. You can go to thebigfatsurprise.com, uh, learn more. You can even order the book as well. And uh, and I just encourage everyone to, to do more research. I think we as consumers, that's kind of been the MO. You know, it, it's on us, I think, to try to ferret out the facts because we can't well, you know- really trust the sources. I have to kind of disagree with like telling, you know, look, if it took me 10 years or nine, you know, I, I, you cannot, and I, I feel for, you know, for people, they like, they can't, they can't, how can everybody 
investigate everything and, you know, and, right. and, and in every field of their lives. It's daunting and overwhelming and I think not realistic to say, but, but to be a skeptical consumer of nutrition advice and when you hear the word something is associated with something else, you that's epidemiological evidence and that is something to be skeptical of. So that's, you know, a place to yep. start. And then to yep. you know, go back and and to use a little common sense about, you know, what did your grandparents eat? If there was no vegetable oils in, nine, you know, in 1900, go back to think about, you know, what people used to eat before they chronic disease became such a huge issue and so much obesity and diabetes. Um, you know, if you go back to history, Americans used to eat three to four times more red meat than we do today. We cooked with butter and lard. Um, and, and, you know, if you go back through history, you know, one of the, great mistakes of nutrition science is to ignore all of human history. And um, if you go back to history, you see what was at the centerpiece of meals for thousands of years were really, um, really, were you know, animal foods, cheese pie and meat and, and eggs and, you know, the foods that were on farms yep. in addition yep. to vegetables, but, you know, a balance. Well, and I, I agree. We have to be skeptical and discerning and use our brain right at the end of the day and don't don't just take what we're fed because literally and figuratively right because it it could be wrong well you've certainly given us a ton a ton to think about and i do encourage everyone to check out the big fat surprise nina teichels thank you so much for being on the show today thank you very much for having me and thanks to my producer, George, and join me right here for another edition of Her Strings next Tuesday, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.